0: Good morning again. Good morning. Question, who here likes to camp and backpack? One or the other. A little bit better response than first service. I told first service, I said, you guys better all get outside more if you don't enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, I brought my pack with me today, and we'll get into that later. Um, to start, I just want to let you know that if I seem disheveled today, it's because I am. You know, I got a, a call right before first service that um, something was going on with my mom and we had to try to make plans to get her taken to the hospital. So that kind of threw me. So Satan threw me a curveball. And um, I know he did that on purpose. And, but you know, the songs that we sang, thank goodness, Jesus is enough. That's all we can say is he is enough. And he has never failed us and he will never fail us. And we just have to constantly remember that in life that no matter what pops up, good or bad, Jesus is enough and he never fails us. Would you guys pray with me before we get started? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you right now. Lord, we just we humble ourselves before you. Lord, it is so true. You are enough. Nothing else in life is needed as long as we have you. And Lord, you never fail us. You have never failed your creation and you never will. And Lord, we just ask right now that as as we get ready to get into your word, Lord, that you, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, that you would open our hearts to hear the message that you have. Lord, that you would open our hearts to connect with you. Lord, that you would help us to constantly remember who you are and what you are. And Lord, I pray that you would put a veil in front of me, and Lord, that I would not be seen and I would not be heard today, but only you would be seen and only you would be heard. Lord, just bless your scripture and bless your message. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get started here, um, I want to read a passage of scripture, and then I've got a little story I want to tell you. So I, I did it the other way around in the first service, but then I thought, well, maybe that wasn't quite the right order. So, um, but anyway, we're going to be in the book of Jude. Now the book of Jude isn't, isn't talked about or preached about much because there's not much of it, and, but there's a lot of stuff in the little bit of it there is, and so we'll be in that today. So if you would, we're going to go ahead and read um, the, cha- the verses we're going to use. We're going to be in chapter one. That's good because there's only one chapter, and we're going to be in verses 17 through 24. And so, or 25, sorry. So if you would, uh, just read along with me. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause division, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire, and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So this is a pack. You guys obviously know that. And it's got some things in it, things that are necessary for taking a camping trip or a hiking trip. And um, so when you head out, you always hope that you have everything that you need in your pack, right? You don't want to forget anything. As I was preparing for this, this sermon, it reminded me of something. When I was in fourth grade, I used to ride the bus to school. And I got to preface this story with kind of what was going on. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood that had a bunch of rich houses around it. We weren't rich, but it had a bunch of rich houses and rich kids around it. And they all wore the latest clothes, Ocean Pacific, Hobie Cat. Do you guys know what Hobie Cat is? Anyone know Hobie? Oh. Oh, there's two, I had six in the first service. So. Um, but Hobie Cat, it was what everybody was wearing, you know, specific Hobie Cat vans. And well, we didn't have the money to buy all those expensive clothes at the time. But my mom, bless her heart, I love her, she's incredible. She decided that she could sew. So she went to the fabric store and she bought some material that was close to the material they made all those shirts out of. And she made me some homemade shirts. Well, the only difference was is they didn't have the logo on them, And the neck collar and the sleeve cuffs were twice as thick as everybody else's. So when I walked into the school, they all knew I was wearing a fake. And so it was embarrassing for that. But anyway, it was a warm day. I got up that day. It was one of the first days of spring, and it was warm. I thought, this is awesome. I can wear shorts. So I got my clothes out, and I went through my drawer, and I picked out the shirt that looked least like homemade and put it on. Got everything done, got breakfast, headed down to the bus. When I walked up to the bus stop, everybody started laughing and pointing. And I thought, oh no, they're gonna make fun of my shirt again today. You know, and they just laughed, they didn't say anything else. Then the bus came, I got on the bus and started walking to the back where I sat, and everybody on the bus was laughing really hard. I mean, to the point that they were crying and pointing, and I was just so embarrassed. And so I sat down and kind of had my head down, and so picked up all the other kids, got off at the school and kind of let them get off, and I got up, and I started walking up the aisle. And you know that big mirror that's over the bus driver where they can see all the kids behind them? I looked up in that mirror and realized I had forgotten to put on any pants. And so, you know, fortunately, this is just a recurring dream that I had my whole whole school time. So um, it was not real, but it sure felt real every time I dreamt it. And so, but could you imagine if that really happened? If you got to school and (laughs) <laughs> it's a nightmare. That's right. And forgot your pants. That would be terrible. So, you know, it's kind of like if you go camping and you get up camping and you open your pack and you think, oh, where is that? I didn't put my fire starter in. I didn't put my food in. I didn't put something in. It's kind of that sinking feeling. And that's, that's always what that dream is. I'd wake up going <gasps> like, I can't believe I walked out without pants, you know, was just sinking. And so um, we're going to talk about that. So my question to you is what is in your pack? Whether it's, for camping or whether it's for life what is in your pack for life you know the the book here the the scripture tells us that the apostles warn us that in the end times there will be those who are scoffers be those who want to create dissension be those who are against us just because they don't like what we stand for they don't like the idea of god they don't like the idea of being accountable they don't like the idea of being told that they are a certain way when they feel there's some way else you know and, and they say that as we get closer to the end, it's going to get even worse, you know. And I don't think that it could be anywhere near as bad then as it is now, but I could have been wrong. But the apostles were warning, you know, the Christians of this, that there will be times that you will have trouble with people. And as we do that, he also tells us about things that are in our pack that we can use for this journey that we are on. And we're gonna talk about those things. And um, I'm gonna use this to relate to it. So hopefully this service, I can keep things straight and pull the props out in the proper order and not in the wrong order, so I have to backpedal. But anyway, so again, who has gone camping before? All right, who has gone on a camping trip where you leave your car and you hike for five or six or seven days and don't see the car again or people until you come back, anybody? All right? That is fun hiking and camping. My wife would not agree with me, but it is. So you get away from everything, and you can connect with God and the people that you go with. But anyway, in my pack, there are a few things that I always carry, and I'm sure you guys would carry also, and things that we're going to use to relate. So you all probably know what this is. That's a tent. That's a little two-man tent there. And tents are incredible. You know, They're this lightweight nylon material and you set them up and you get in and they keep you dry and they can help keep you warm and you're thinking how can this little thin weight thing protect me from the elements but it does. The only thing is you got to remember if it's raining outside don't touch it with any skin because if you touch it with your fingers or a bare shoulder or your forehead wherever you touch it that nylon leaks until it dries out completely again and I don't understand that you can touch it with your shirt it doesn't leak, but with your fingers, it's just one of those mysteries in life, I guess, so I may have to ask God about that when I get to heaven. Why does the tent leak, Can I leak when I touch it? Um, but anyway, you know, <coughs> but another thing that does is, I don't know if you guys have ever been in the, in the woods, if there's noises and you're kind of scared, and you get into that tent and you zip that nylon door and the screen closed, for some reason it feels safe. I mean, you know that a bear could just charge through that nylon side any time. In fact, I think a toddler could run through it and not have an issue with it. But for some reason, you get in that thing, and you zip it up, and you feel safe. You, You guys understand what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? For some reason, you do. But you know, it's just a little nylon thing. So it'd be nice if you could just unzip the bag, and boom, it pops up like it does in the movies. But it doesn't. With a tent, it always takes a little bit of work to put it up. Even if it's one of those that you can twist and it pops up a little bit, you still have to put stakes in and ropes and, and get it ready to get into. So, this one you have to put together a bunch of little poles, run them through the loops and <clears throat> the tubes, and then you have to fight the corners and put it up. Thank goodness it's small because you can put your foot on one side and lean over to the other, but it still takes a little bit of work. So, I know what's going into this. And with me knowing what's going into this, it leads me to the fact that God knows what's going on also. God knows our enemy. And I don't know if you guys know it or not, but we have an enemy that hates us. We have an enemy that will do anything to tear us down. He will do anything to make sure that our focus is not on God, and that we are not doing what we should to to share our story, to share the story of Jesus, to share what is in our life. And he will do anything. And that's why I said he threw me a curveball this morning. He knew that I was wanting to be focused on what was going on here, but he thought that if he could take and put something else on my mind and on my heart, that he would change what's going on. But, you know, I hate to tell this, tell him this, but Satan, you have no power. My Jesus is enough, and he has provided me tools in my pack that I can fight you with. And the, the first thing that he has given us is faith. And I like to re- relate faith to a tent, because faith is something that is so simple, but yet it does so much. Just like the tent is so simple and so thin, but yet it protects us from the elements, and it can make us feel safer. And you know, when we look at, at faith, we um, look at Ephesians um, 6.16. It says, in addition to this, well, 6.16, you guys know what it is. It's the armor of God. So God has provided that whole armor for us, the breastplate, the helmet, the the gird your loins up with truth, and the the sword of of the spirit, or sword of salvation, or the word of God, and he gives us one more, it's the the shield of faith. And you know, the shield of faith is is kind of what I, I look at as the tent, because it takes a little bit of work, but when we do that, it becomes an incredible thing. And so Um, Just as a tent protects us from what's out in nature, faith can protect us from what's out there in life, what is out there in the spiritual world. Isaiah 41.10 says this. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So, you know, I want to challenge you not to be confused or surprised by anything that happens in this life because God says that he is with us. He says, I am with you. And don't worry about how strong you are or how big the opponent is because God says, I will help you. And don't worry about feeling weak or that you may stumble because God says, I will uphold you. You know, as it takes some work to set up a tent, it takes work to build our faith. And how do we build our faith? There are two main ingredients that we use to build our faith. The first one is we have to ask for that faith or ask God to build that faith. Matthew 7, it says, ask and it will be given you. You know, and then if we go on to James, it talks about, you know, if anyone lacks wisdom, if they ask that God will give it to them, and he will also, along with that, freely give us all things. And so, you know, if we can ask for wisdom, we should be able to ask for faith, too, And so we need to constantly be asking God to give us faith, to believe in him, to be able to trust in him. And sometimes that means we're asking him to show us something so that we can see something substantial that we can believe in. Now I know it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But just because we hope for it and can't see it doesn't mean that we can't pray that God would sometime give us something tangible that would help us with it. But despite tangible or not tangible, where faith comes from is what God is really doing in our heart. And when he is doing that work in our heart, it seems to protect our mind as well. And if we, if we look at that verse again about the, the, the armor of God, it says that that shield of faith is able to reflect or to defend us from the fiery darts of the enemy from those curveballs he throws us, from the darts he shoots at us to try to, to kill us, to dismay us, to shove us off of track. But those darts can be deflected by the, by the shield of faith. The second thing we need to do after we ask for it is we need to stay in the word. Putting God's word into our life builds strength. You know, it builds wisdom and faith. And it's, it's kind of neat because the more we dig into God's word, the stronger we get but, you know, sometimes when you dig into that word, it hurts. The pastors have started working out in the last couple of weeks, and we went to the Y last week and did some weightlifting. And we did that on Wednesday. And on Thursday, I felt good. Friday, I felt good. On Saturday, I could hardly stand up and sit down or let my arms go all the way because my muscles hurt so bad. I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? You know, am I getting old or whatever? And I thought, duh. It's the first time you've worked out in like 25 years. So, um, but so I was sore And, um, you know, sometimes when we are growing in faith, it's like that. Sometimes God stretches us and uses us, and sometimes it hurts. But sometimes it feels so good. Sometimes it's just a release. You get an endorphin from it. And, you know, it is an incredible thing. So we need to ask God for it. We need to keep putting the word in our life. Hebrews 4 says that the word's powerful. It's so powerful it can separate soul and spirit. It can separate joint and marrow. And, you know, if the The Word of God can do that. Can it not pierce our hearts and give us protection and strength and endurance and all those things? It is an incredible thing what God has put into play. What He has planned even before the earth was created. The second thing in my pack is actually something that is on my pack. Anybody see that? There's a picture of it up there. So we'll go to the next one. This is compass okay some of you may not know this is what they call a true north compass and it's a small compass doesn't have any degrees or anything on it it just has a north arrow and a south arrow and you put it on your lapel or on your backpack strap or something it's designed to be right there where you can look for it so i use that on my strap so i just hold my strap like this to get it level and i look and i can be walking and not really take my eyes off of anything or have to have my hands obstructed but that, that is one of the best compasses I've ever had. My dad gave that to me when I was 13 years old, the first time we went elk hunting. And on the first day of elk hunting, we went up before it was light, and he dropped me off on the top of a mountain, and he said, camp is northwest of here. I will see you back there tonight. And he took off. And so I'm in the mountains, Rocky Mountains, above 10,000 feet by myself, a 13-year-old boy who weighs about 84 pounds. And I'm a little scared. But you know what? Dad had taught me all kinds of things. He had grown me in my skill. Just like if we are asking God to grow our faith, he grows us in that and we become ready for things. I made it back that night. It was all good. Little did I know that dad would go hunt and then come back and check on me. Go hunt, come back, find me wherever I was walking and check on me. Kind of like God does. I think God lets us go on our journey, but he constantly comes back and he checks on us. He's always keeping us in tabs. He knows where we are. He knows what situation we're in. He knows what part of the forest we're in. And he never lets us be there alone. And that is so great. But as we're looking into our bag, one of the other tools we have is prayer. And, you know, like a compass, if you know true north with a compass, you can find east, west, and south, no problem at all. You could be as lost as anywhere in the world, and you pull out that compass and you use it, you can find your way home, you can find your way out, you can find your way to safety. Well, that's the way prayer is with us, okay? The compass works day and night. It works even if your phone's dead or you don't have a solar charger. Prayer works even if your phone is dead. You don't need it to call Jesus, okay? Or if you don't have power or if it's day or if it's night. It's amazing how that works. But when we're praying, we're not just praying. We are, in the scripture, it tells us to pray in the Holy Spirit. And so what does that exactly mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? You know, we we, we pray and we ask God to, to lead us in a direction. But if we look at Romans 8, Romans 8 says, For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So just in this paragraph right here, we don't even have to think about praying in the spirit because we are in the spirit when we have become a child of God. And when we pray, we are praying in the spirit. But you know, there's something really cool about the spirit. The Bible tells us that if we are praying and we don't know what to pray, that the spirit will intercede for us with groans that words cannot express. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit can pray for us. And you know what makes that so cool? Is that God knows the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because it's a part of Him. Jesus knows the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because it's a part of Him. They are all one, even though they are separate. But if we are, aren't sure what we pray, we let the Spirit intercede. And sometimes that's really hard to do. You know, so how can we make sure that we are praying by the Spirit? Sometimes the world gets in our way, and sometimes our mind gets distracted, and sometimes our prayers seem futile. But thank the Lord that He hears every prayer, and He tells us that. But about praying in the Spirit, one way that we can make sure we are praying in the Spirit is if we pray the Word of God. I don't know if you guys do that, but if you just take scripture and you pray scripture that is an incredibly powerful thing and not only does that connect us with god's word who is jesus christ but it connects us with the holy spirit because as we are reading that word and as we are praying that word the spirit can work in us and can change and can direct our lives and direct our heart and change our attitudes hebrews four twelve says um, that it separates soul and spirit so it is so powerful but as we are praying with the power of the word, that's just half of it. Once we pray and are presenting to God, then we need to wait, we need to listen. You know, if you look in, in, in Psalm chapter 46, David says, be still and know that I am God. And I started thinking, how many times does David tell us in that book to be still, to listen, to know God? There's gotta be something about that because we find that all over scripture, be still and know. Be silent, be quiet, and so if we want to look a little farther, we look in Isaiah 55, and it says, "Listen diligently to me; incline your ear and come to me; hear that your soul may live." You know, a lot of times when we think about listening, we think about just sitting down and listening, but listening is really an active thing. When we are listening for God, we can do that while we're searching the Scriptures. We can do that while we are worshiping. We can do that when it's silent. You know, it's all a matter of where we are trying to focus our heart and our mind as to where, whether we are going to catch what God is saying to us. And it is so essential that we have this prayer in our kit so that we will always be on the right track. The third thing that is in our kit is this right here. And I always carry one of these and you may think I'm weird. First aid kit. My first aid kit usually is a little bit bigger than most people that go camping just because I'm a little nut about it. If you've ever gone on a, a, a youth camp, a trip with me, the first aid kit I take on the youth trip is actually a big orange first responder bag. All right, so i don't know if i'm waiting for somebody's arm to be cut off or something and need that compression pad and that big gauze or what but i am overprepared. praise the lord i've never had to use it for anything other than a cut on a finger or you know a bad burn or something like that but this right here is a, is, is a, a kit that i have set aside for pa- for camping and you know the cool thing about a first aid kit is not only can it heal a minor injury but it can sustain us through a life-threatening injury until we can get help. And, you know, that is so cool because I don't know if you guys think about it or not, but God has provided a first aid kit for our pack. And that first aid kit is mercy. And that mercy took us from a point when we had a mortal wound and it patched us up and it saved our life. And that is the grace and the forgiveness and the love that came through Jesus Christ when he died on that cross and shed his blood. You know, for a first aid kit, you have to learn how to use it if it's really going to be effective. And not only do you have to, to learn how to use it, but when it comes time to use it, you have to be willing to give up some of your supplies and use that knowledge to help whoever is injured. If you take the training and you have the kit, if you're not willing to share that, it doesn't do any good. You might as well not even have it. And, you know, that's kind of the way we are too. God has, healed, has forgiven us, has brought us into his kingdom. And he has provided that, that first aid kit for us. And we have received his mercy. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Even though we were at a point where we didn't deserve it, God sent Jesus to give us his mercy. God sent his first aid kit to sustain our life. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. I love that verse. I could read it three or four, five. I could read that the rest of the sermon. I would be happy with that because it reminds me how much God loves me and what he's done for me. But not only do we receive mercy, but this verse tells us that we need to extend mercy. We need to show mercy, but we need to do it with fear. It doesn't mean we need to be scared. It means we need to be cautious about The things that are going on with the people that we share we need to love the person but we don't have to like what is going on what they are doing you know you have the old adage that says love the sin hate or love the sinner hate the sin and i i mean that's great but it's kind of cliche i like what this says it says you need to show them mercy while hating the dirty clothes that they are wearing you know because we all have those dirty clothes is that not true Colossians 3 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with all, or bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive, and above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That love is the key ingredient to the first aid kit that christ brought to us the love of god for us and that love is our key ingredient in our first aid kit when we reach out to those who are hurt and those who are dying because without love none of the rest of it matters that love is what binds our mercy and our kindness and our compassion and our humility and our meekness all together but the funny thing about that is that we can receive mercy and we can give mercy but it cannot be done unless there is humility. Receiving and giving mercy cannot be done with pride. It has to be done with humility. I want to read a verse of that again. The verse 12 in Colossians 3 says, Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You know, I like to look at David when I think about this. David was the man after God's own heart. And we all know that. But what we sometimes, I think, forget when we read the Psalms and other things is that David did some pretty terrible things, made some pretty stupid decisions, ended up with some pretty mortal wounds as a result of what was going on in his life. But he would always humble himself and come back before God and say, God, I know you're tired of hearing this, but I messed up again. And I'm asking that you would just please forgive me one more time. And you know what? god did god always drew david back because he came humbly before god and confessed what he was doing but then we look at it and david's humility didn't stop at himself his humility went on to when he was sharing mercy and when he was sharing grace you know he was pursued by saul for many many years and there were a number of opportunities where david could have killed saul one time when saul was sleeping he could have killed him he was right there by him, ready to stab him, and he could have killed him, and Saul would not have even had an idea of what happened; would never have had the inkling But David had mercy on him, and knew that he should not kill him and step back. David loved the person, even though he hated what he was doing. But the cool thing about that is David's mercy did not just end with Saul. After Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, David's mercy kept going. To Saul's family he found out that Jonathan had a son Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth was in another town and he was handicapped and he was begging on the streets for food and for money to live he sent men to get him and he brought him back and he told Mephibosheth he said you are Saul's grandson I am going to give you everything that was Saul's I'm going to give you all of his properties back I'm going to give you his riches back because you deserve that And because of Jonathan, who was my friend, I am going to have mercy on you. And he did. And he kind of took him in as an adopted son. And Mephibosheth never again had to worry about begging on the streets or finding money to live because he was given what was rightfully his from his grandfather by a merciful king. Because David had received mercy from God all those times, he was able to give mercy to others. And that is the way that we should be too. James 2 says this, for judgment is without mercy. One who has shown no mercy, m- uh, to the one who, shows, who has shown no mercy, mercy trumps over judgment. It actually says triumphs, but I like to use the word trumps. So when somebody is not showing you mercy, we should show them mercy because that trumps their hand. Just like in a card game. You know, if you have a good hand, if somebody has another hand, it trumps it. I don't care how good you think that hand is. If somebody has the number one hand in the game, they are going to beat you every time. And if we have mercy and if we put mercy out there and we live as people of mercy, then we are going to trump everything that is thrown in our way every time. Not saying it's going to be easy, but we can trump it every time. So we should have mercy on the scoffers, on the ridiculers on those who despise us even. We should have mercy on them. And this, this chapter even tells us that we should rescue them or save them out of the fire. We know that's not us that saves them, it's Jesus Christ. But what we do and the way we react could drive somebody either towards Christ or away from Christ. And that is why mercy is so important. The last thing I have here is a walking stick. And, um, you know, when I was younger, I saw these people with walking sticks, and I thought, that's weak, you know. I can walk on my own. I can carry my pack. You know, if I stumble or whatever, I'm just going to catch myself. And so for years, I didn't ever use a walking stick. Well, now I'm not young anymore. And uh, I bought a walking stick I'm probably in my late 30s and haven't done as much hiking with it, but the times I've had to use it, it's been great. And you know, a walking stick is not something that is going to keep me completely from falling, but it's going to stabilize me. It is going to give me a better footing, a better assurance, something just to base my balance on. You know, and sometimes that's all we need is something to hold on to. And you can buy one or you can find one in nature. You know, sometimes God provides incredible ones when you're walking on the trail. You just pick one up, it's even better than this. And so, but I have this. And I want to relate this our walking stick is kind of like praises in our spiritual backpack. When we praise, it does incredible things. You know, but we need to remember that um, this right here I just want want to to share with you. No matter how we go into life, if we go in thinking we're prepared and find that we've forgotten something or we go in and something happens that just throws everything to go south, if we have our walking stick, we will be able to make it through it. And I like to quit that walking stick with praise. And, and if we look at that, the last two verses of this chapter talks about that. So even in the midst, midst of an adventure that has gone bad, we can have stability. So in, in the last two verses, it says right here, it says, now to him who is unable to keep you from stumbling. So or not unable, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. First part of that verse, God is going to keep us from stumbling, all right? So it says, before the presence of his glory with great joy. Then the next verse says this, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and here's where the praise comes in, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority for all times. You know, it's kind of maybe hard to think how can praise be related to this? But when we praise God, we are stepping up and we are leaning on Him and we are reaching for Him. Just like you reach for a stick or a tree if you're trying to catch yourself when you're falling. When we are worshiping God, we are reaching out to Him to tell Him how much we love Him, how thankful we are for what He has done for us. And when when we do that, God creates something in us. He creates a stability. He creates a stronghold for us because we are connecting with him. So we started with the question, what is in your pack? We know who's on our side and we know what's in our pack. We've just got to remember to take it out and to use it. And I want to challenge you guys to do that. I want to challenge you guys to take that faith out, to take that prayer out, to take that mercy out and use that every day because that is where God has put us. That is the journey He has put us on and that is what He has given us to do it. And those tools are tested and tried through time. And they work. So I just want to leave you with this, the last two verses of Jude again. So if you guys would close your eyes as I read this and then we'll close in prayer. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you right now, Lord, and we thank you. Lord, we thank you for giving us a pack that has tools in it. A pack that has tools that are tried and tested. And Lord, that you have trained us to use and that you will continue to give us wisdom and training and using if we ask for it. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to humble ourselves to the point where we can receive mercy from you even when we fall, no matter how great or small. And Lord, I pray that we would have enough humility that we can look beyond what other people are doing and that we can love them and share mercy with them. And Lord, maybe through that, we would be a part of rescuing, you, rescuing them from the fire. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you will always be. Thank you that you are enough and that you have never failed us. It's in your son's most precious name we pray. Amen.